Welcome to the Vertical Slice, where we take a deeper look at the design of video games through the lens of a new game each episode. My name is Max Normandy, and I'm joined today by my fellow host and game design connoisseur, the esteemed Ziggy Hickson. Hello, Ziggy. What's up, Max? I have this bad habit, and I am going to try to kick it on this on this podcast here. Um, I Every time I start recording something, like without fail, every single time it's my turn to talk, or, like, every time I hit the record button, I get, like, insanely thirsty and I need to take a sip of water. So, <laughs> if you look at, like, any stream or anything I've done in the past, like, without fail in the first five seconds, I will open up my water bottle and drink from it. It is, it's bad. But I this, this is a new chapter for me. I'm turning over a new leaf. And there's a water bottle here. I feel such a deep urge to drink from it. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait at least, like, a minute until I start sipping from that. Wow, I'm proud of you. It's thir- it's thirsty business. It is. It's thirsty business in here. Okay. <laughs> Today, we are talking about the 2018 90s-style PC FPS Dusk, uh, created by David Szymanski and published by New Blood Interactive. This game is available on Windows and Mac and is coming to Nintendo Switch sometime this year. Wait, it is? So- Hang on. Yeah. It is, it, yeah. How? Okay, actually, I want to talk about that because I don't know how that'll work. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I could see the motion controls being either really bad or really good, but yeah, uh, well, really bad or pretty good. Um, but as far as I know, it has like partial regular controller support, and the switch would huh. just be worse. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, speaking on that though, like, that's a good segue into. <laughs> The first thing I want to talk about in this game. Fantastic. Is, Let's hear it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, so this game, as you said, 90s style retro FPS, uh, the gunplay in this game, pretty dang good, if I do say so myself. Uh, oh, absolutely. It's got a real fast speed going on. That's why I say, like, I don't know, like, the, the 90s FPS was absolutely that time in history where shooters were a pc thing like that it didn't really exist on console like you had your gold knight or whatever but it wasn't really until halo that that was like a respected thing as console shooters and so and this very much harkens back to that era of game design where it was fast and insanely precise um so playing this on a controller kind of sounds terrible to be honest um but but i don't know maybe maybe that's just me back (laughs) like doom era 90s mindset with this game i mean i don't i don't i don't blame you for thinking that i I, i'm sure most people would not want to touch it with the controller i didn't want to so i didn't even bother but (laughs) (laughs) yeah no me neither to be honest so but yeah i mean other i maybe do actually want to talk about gunplay later though because i feel like if we're going about this of just, like, shit we like, number one on the list, the thing that, like, really stands out in my mind when I think back on my time with this game is absolutely the level design. Um, in that, it will, I think I'm tying in that from both a, like, game design, like, make creating interesting encounters type thing, and also just, like, an artistic, like, holy shit, what is happening? Like, this is so insane type thing where... Uh, like the levels do such a good job of ramping up intensity where episode one pretty normal right you're going through just like churches and cabins and stuff like killing cultists and it's kind of you know it's fun um but then there's 
a really specific moment in episode two where it goes from kind of you know what to expect to like holy shit this is really opening things up and i i think for me when that switches over is in the escher labs level i don't know how closely you remember it but there's one moment in particular where you go through like a teleporter and it teleports you into just like the rib cage like the rotting rib cage of some like eldritch beast in like the middle of space and then you teleport back you're like what the fuck just like what is happening this is so different from anything else in here and it just keeps on giving you those moments after that as well where stuff just keeps on ramping up in intensity and absurdity and i i really really love it yeah well i i'll tell you i made a little bit of a mistake playing through the campaign of this game because i played the episodes out of order oh no yes I was just wild and crazy and was not thinking of the repercussions to my <laughs> to the, the lovely experience that this game could provide me. I, to be honest, I wasn't expecting too much from it going in because I didn't know anything about it. And mm-hmm. I kind of judged the book by its cover and thought it would be very simplistic. Um, in hindsight, that was a big mistake. Um, <laughs> I, I played through the foothills and then I played through... Uh, episode three, what is it, the, the Nameless City? Yeah. And then I went back and played two. And uh, I wish that I had followed the uh, the golden path on that one. because How um, is that? Like, how, what is that like for you, that jump from going from the kind of normalcy of episode one to just straight into the insanity of episode three? Well, uh, <laughs> it was different. I, I mean... It wasn't too big of a jump uh, thematically because, I mean, I knew that there were like the demonic, there was the demonic aspect to it, right? It's in, mm-hmm. the, it's in the cover art and uh, you've got already in the first uh, episode, you've got enemies that are of demonic and eldritch nature. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it wasn't too wacky, but um, it did definitely ruin my understanding of any pacing of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was far less... Um, laid out, I guess, and far more bare bones, maybe to say, than it actually is. Like they were, I thought it was like these are three, like separately themed episodes, and like maybe they're kind of connected. And I don't know. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it it was a little more than that, but not, but it was lost to me. So yeah. So did you ever go back and replay it by any chance of just like one, two, and three to get the full sort of narrative experience of it, or? I did, yeah. I started playing two, and I was like, okay, I like things are like melding more. Like, like the areas start to turn into each other, and the enemies Mm -hmm. kind of, um, like the enemy sandboxes kind of meld instead of just they're like a hard change from episode to episode. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, there's something I'm missing here. So I started two, and then I went back and went through all of one again, and then two again, and then three. So Mm -hmm. it was much better. Yeah, and what you're saying, too, about how simple this game looks on the exterior, I think, like, I totally agree. I think this game kind of, it really knows what it is. Like, I was watching um, a Civi video on this game a little while ago, because I I don't know, I just like watching videos about things I know I'm going to talk about, just to sort of help me, like, process my thoughts, I guess. Like, not to steal their ideas or anything, but, you know, it just helps me, like... They'll say something like, yeah, I agree, and that sort of processed in my mind. But he's saying that the game is aware that there's a lot of shitty, (laughs) like, games like this out there with, you know, that sort of retro aesthetic and all that. 
and it mm-hmm. almost makes you think it is one until it totally changes your mind where it does start off really simple and you know you've got your shotgun and your pistols and your melee weapon and then it isn't until a bit later in the game where it really starts to ramp up in intensity and you're like oh no okay this kicks ass this is something totally different and then as it goes it just keeps getting better and better um so i mean yeah i definitely would not blame someone for looking at this and thinking it's something that's less interesting than it actually is yeah yeah absolutely and i i loved that about it that i mean that was for me i mean it was nice that there was so many like so many details and like uh, little areas where you could tell there was passion and put into it and and real Mm -hmm. skill and talent but the best thing for me was uh you could tell that there was a lot of love for the genre itself of the game yeah seriously and they made it the best that it could be in the elements that are like ubiquitous to those games, like what is required of that game to exist. Mm-hmm. They're they're done with precision and care. But also you can tell that there was it was made by a person who loves those types of games and has had all of these years to think about what else could you do with it? How could you push it? How could you make it better? And the like you were saying, the later levels that really kind of get zany and and push what this game can do in terms of sandbox and level design it, it, it's well thought out and it's well executed and I, I love that a lot yeah i agree I, I think it would be a really easy trap to fall into of just sort of mimicking like quake and doom with this as opposed to making it your own thing and i think it rides that line of like references and homages to older games and feeling that dna inside it really well but still absolutely having like its own identity and improving on what those games did. It didn't just follow them, but it said, yeah, like how can we make it better in terms of level design and gameplay and doing things technically that like the Quake engine could never dream of doing, you know, um, mm-hmm. despite how its graphics look. Um, and the references too, I kind of want to talk about that because I really like it. Like the fact that the the sort of basic cultist enemies who shoot fireballs at you, the fact that their voice lines are just names of FPS like, the fact that they just yell, like, blood and heretic at you, it's so funny to me. But it, it's just, it's fun. Like, I like it. Um, and I'm pretty sure the entire third episode is just one big Quake reference. Um, yeah. <laughs> with the Nameless City. Yeah. And it's just yeah. shit like that. It's, it's just fun. Like, it doesn't feel like it's ripping anything off. It's just, you know what it's trying to do, and it just gives you gives you these really cute homages. There was the... The big John boss fight was really fun as well. Um, mm. Just, I, I like it. It's so good. Um, and But yeah, it does all that while totally telling its own story. That The story, for, like, this is not a narrative podcast, but it I want to talk about it a little bit because I think that the story was really, really good for what this game is and trying to do. Like, it obviously isn't groundbreaking writing or performances or anything, but for a game that is so gameplay-focused, just having the story weaved into the environment so gracefully and giving you good reason to move forward, you know, without getting intrusive. I think it was really, really smart the way that was laid out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, uh, an interesting like transformation of, of like setting and story, uh, mm-hmm. woven simultaneously. And I, I really like the execution because I know that with the game, it, it could be easy to kind of go like the, the, the route of the newer doom games, which are, not the same thing, but also fast-paced first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of have the story, you could have, like, little dialogue sections and where you're, like, slowly opening a door or, like, doing a thing or, like, slight cutscenes or 
shit like that where the story is a little bit more intrusive and, and you could do that. But I think that this the way that this game did it was the best way to implement a story in this game where it really takes a backseat and it's there if you want it. Um, and it, even if you're ignoring it, you, you get the gist of it. You get the, the main mm-hmm. thematic points, but it's it's there in, in the perfect capacity, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, the only real story you get is like a kind of poorly voice acted cult leader like, <laughs> tell, like yelling things in your ear and just in just raw environment like the the escher labs level going back to that i do think that's my favorite level in the game um mm-hmm. but the escher labs level is just that to perfection where you know it's like a laboratory and then you slowly see sort of the insanity unfold in it and just the interesting little bits of storytelling and stuff it has um the level in episode three where it has all the weird like gravity shifting stuff and you're going through like the main character's house or whatever it was a similar thing where it gave like little bits of backstory and whatnot just through like audio and environments which i thought was really good and yeah like no cutscenes or real like story sections per se just gameplay and it's perfectly woven into all that um yeah. I thought that was really, really smart because I do, I do like stories and games. I think if this game had none of that, if it was just raw shooting, I think the pacing would just not be as good. Like it, it it's less off. interesting to go through something when you don't have a reason why you should be, you know. And so I think yeah. it, it gives you that reason. It gives you that little bits of story, but does not intrude at all. I never took my hands off the keyboard to just, you know. You have like an undercurrent of story yeah. that flavors everything you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to keep talking about the level design. Another thing I want to talk about is how, again, what we were saying with how this game improves upon old design ideas. I think the whole key card type level design is a really good example of that where I don't like key cards. Like I, when you're going, when I'm going back to doom and playing that, that's generally the least fun part of the game for me. Cause it's just sort of hunting and then backtracking. Um, but the way that it's implemented in here personally i thought was genuinely really fun where um just to talk about the escher labs level again because uh, i think <laughs> it's such a good example of everything i want to talk about um it like you'll you'll see like a yellow door pretty early on in that level and so you know you have to get there at some point and there's so many doors that you can't open right away but it just slowly funnels you through it and sort of twists you around unless you backtrack without actually backtracking you know um and in a way that when you finally do get the key card, like, oh, a yellow key card, cool. And instead of just going back to that door, you go forward and then it gets you there in the way that it wants you to get there while still giving you interest in combat encounters and stuff like that. Um, and I thought that was really brilliant. Um, with the backtracking, too, I want to talk about because it's the backtracking is so much more palatable than most games because sure. it gives you... It, it respawns the enemies in old areas, but in different ways. So, and it takes advantage of the fact that you're coming from this room at a different angle this time. So if say there's a room where there's like a staircase and there's a high ground and a low ground, like the first time you come through, you start on the high ground. So there's like little enemies shooting at you from the bottom, maybe like some melee guys up top. And that, you know, that's just kind of how that works. But then the second time you go through it, you know, there's people sniping you for up top and then a bunch of guys at the bottom you have to deal with. And so it, knows which angle you're coming through and gives you an interesting encounter based on that so it doesn't feel like you're just running through the same rooms again it it feels like something different and fresh and i i really really like that yeah yeah i agree there were a couple 
Uh, I, I didn't take note of which ones they were. There were a couple where the backtracking was a little confusing. It was earlier on in my playthrough. I wasn't as used to the game mm -hmm. um, where I was just kind of moving around like, where should I be going? And it didn't happen often. But for the most part, I agree that the the levels are small enough that they can really afford to allow the player to kind of do a lot of the, the legwork in figuring out... Um, where to go and and mm -hmm. uh as long as they <clears throat> like like you were saying skillfully place uh doors and and things that you need to come back to in a in a way that makes sense where you would see it and remember it then it all flows very smoothly and there are also some where uh uh let me check what the name of this one was because this is something that kind of stood out to me as really well done I believe it was the 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 level in the foothills called Through the Gate, where you're kind of going through like a mountain pass, um, and it was like right before you go to that city, mm -hmm. and uh, that was I I felt like a really cool example of how like they can it varies how much work that it. What am I trying to say here? <laughs> It can vary how much work you need to do, so it doesn't get exhausting to look for these areas and do the backtracking and the puzzle solving, which is fun, but if you're doing quite a bit of it in a row, even if it's not too much, it can become too much, if that makes sense. Like, it's not too hard, but it can kind of become a little bit exhausting, so they, they I think, pace the, dif the not the difficulty, but kind of like the... Uh, the, the intensity, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so in, in this through the gate level uh, i don't know i don't know if you remember this there's a section where you go up this little um path this rocky path and you go through a door and there's an area where you are looking down at a like a little box canyon that's connected to the main part of the level a little pit if you will and yeah, there's yeah, a ridge about. yeah there's a ridge around the outside with wizards shooting at you down in the bottom there's the goat things uh and mm -hmm. then there's a pillar in the middle of the pit with three or four scarecrows on it. And I loved the way that this was like designed and you could easily tell to pick apart how it makes you move where it wants you to move to see what you, it needs you to see because mm -hmm. there is the red key down there. And if you were doing a lot of ex like looking around and not knowing where to go, you would have probably already seen the red door uh, mm -hmm. doing a lap around the main part of the, uh, of the level so you if whether you are up top moving around you'll see the red key if you go down or if you're down on the bottom the goats make you move around and you can't stay up on the top for too long because the scarecrows like three of them that's a pretty solid pace of them shooting at you and they do a decent amount of damage especially yeah, on yeah. the higher levels they're oh fuck those guys so <laughs> <laughs> so either way it's designed to make you move around this pillar and notice the key from any way that you choose to approach it you're always going to move around and see the key and just stuff like that kind of sprinkled throughout where they it's not always so noticeable the way that they kind of like guide you through an area but that was really masterfully done and that was one of the spaces where i could kind of tell and yeah like you're saying it's just it's it's well executed and well well thought out when it really easily could have not been mm -hmm. yeah i think what you're saying about also the way it sort of ramps up and down intensity is I, I agree with that. And also, yeah, what you were saying about um, sort of guiding your eyes. Um, but with the intensity, I do think it does a really good job of giving you smaller scale and larger scale <clears throat> battles at just the right times. 
where there are, you know, a lot of fights that are just three or four guys shotgun them in the head, move on. And it, you know, keeps you engaged, keeps that pace going. Um, and I think the music also paces with that really well, where it mm. keeps it pretty atmospheric and low key for the most part. Um, but then when it needs to, when you walk into like a huge arena and there's enemies everywhere, you know, and they're all perfectly placed to be an exciting encounter and then the music totally ramps up and you're like oh shit like we're going now and those fights can be long too sometimes but they just space it out well enough that every single encounter like that is really memorable and really engaging it's not it doesn't fall into the same trap that i think like the newer doom games do where it feels a little bit like oh okay another arena you get through it onto the next one and then okay here's another arena you know it doesn't there's maybe one arena per level, um, yeah. which I think is really smart. The rest is corridors and smaller scale fights that aren't necessarily easy. They're just a lower intensity, I guess, you know, because there's less things to look at and think about. And I do think it makes it a lot less exhausting, like you were saying. I think it it makes it easier to play this game for long sessions, which I think the, the, like Doom 2016 and Eternal maybe didn't do quite as well. Yeah. And like design like that is hard to do like mm-hmm. you need that you need to have good level design you need to have a, a good sandbox and i need to have cohesion but like just being able to understand like having an innate understanding of pacing and how that will feel like it, it's really hard to do mm-hmm. and there's so much restraint here too i think where yeah there's so many times where they could have ramped it up but they chose not to and they chose to keep their like cards to their chest for just a little bit longer and i totally think it would have been easier for them to just like blow their load with that and um just you know ramp it up too much when it shouldn't be ramped up but they they didn't and they kept it at just the right spots i wonder if this guy has made any other games i haven't seen anything but i mean if he hasn't i'm just all the more impressed because yeah he just you could tell he has just a really solid understanding of that kind of stuff it's his talent i think probably the best example of that pacing i would say is um the fact that every episode at the end has a level that is just batshit insane (laughs) in one way or another like they all have that episode at the end where the one that i really remember is uh the gauntlet in episode two where there's one enemy in that fight and it's just like this crazy strong boss that chases you through the whole level just like relentlessly and you're always in these super tight corridors and he shoots like explosive rounds at you so you're just constantly running away, sliding, trying to get ammo to fight back, like flipping switches, and it's the intensity on that is just so high, like higher than most of the other levels in it. Um, but they keep that, you know, for just one level an episode, and that's super smart. The other one I remember is uh, that, I feel what it's called, but that type of level in episode three where it just gives you wave after wave after wave of enemies that slowly gets harder and harder until at the end I was dying like, 10 plus times in one wave you know because it was just tough like they would is that the one where like the the whirlwind comes and takes out the church and you just go into the gauntlet underground is that no not that one it's the one where you're on like that sort of floating like blue platform and there's there isn't much environment it's just like a flat space maybe a couple like blue trees and then just a fuck ton of enemies that it throws at you which doesn't sound very interesting but because that happens once in the entire game as just a like all right like all holds are off the table like i'm giving you everything i can possibly give you to make you feel pain right now 
I think yeah. it, it does work really well for what it does there. Like, the final wave of that is what I remember the most. Or I guess the penultimate wave, where there was, I think, four or five of, like, the mama enemies who shoot the, like, riveter rounds at you, which oh, are yeah. the hardest enemies in the game. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of, like, the granny enemies, um, and I think a bunch of the, like, big tanky dudes who shoot a bunch of rounds at you. So there was just stuff happening everywhere, and almost my best strategy was just to try to coax them into fighting each other by, like, running around everywhere <laughs> so they'd yeah. accidentally shoot each other. Like, the intensity that was so high... Um, and if that was every level, I wouldn't probably not enjoy it. I'd probably think it's kind of bullshit, but it happens with such restraint that it is, it's pretty brilliant when it happens in that moment. So, so I have two questions for you now. Uh, okay. the first being, what difficulty did you play on? Um, I played on, I think we'd all like to know. I can't remember. It, the middle difficulty, basically, for my first playthrough. Um, mm -hmm. Like, the hurt me plenty of this game. I forget what... I believe it's called I Can Take It. I Can Take It. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, okay. And then I played well. a bit on Ceramio uh, and Intruder Mode on some other levels, which, God, that intensity gets high. I, <laughs> I didn't play anything on Nightmare yet, just because Ceramio was such a challenge for me. I felt like if I turned it on to Nightmare, I just <laughs> it would go over my head a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I played most of it on I Can Take It as well, um, which was hard for me, I'll say, because I'm not used to PC shooters at all, let alone mm, yeah. fast ones like this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did try Cero Miedo. Uh, it jumps up in intensity a lot between those two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> But it was fun. It was fun once I got more of a hang of it. Okay, so my other question is then... Um, how often did you use the soap? Soap. Yeah, okay. So the soap was not something I knew was a actual tool until I was watching videos about this game afterwards. And then I saw that, yeah, it's like the most busted shit in the game. Fair enough. Um, so for those who don't know, there are hidden items throughout the game. That's uh, a bar of soap. And you get an achievement for like picking up all those, like 33 of them, I think. Um, and you can pick up a lot of different items in this game and throw them, and they do quite a bit of damage to enemies. But the soap one-hits everything. <laughs> <laughs> Including bosses. For the Including record. bosses, which yeah. is fantastic. It's, that, um, I think the soap and like the, the Crystals of Madness, which I did actually use throughout my playthrough, um, and just that sort of thing, I, I think it really speaks to just part of why I really like this game, which is it nails the tone so well where... You know, it has a very serious and dark story and tone and all of that, but it also, and it, you know, and it tries to be ultra difficult, but it also has options like soap out there, which are just funny. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's it's just a dumb joke, but it's it's great. It, I love it. I think at some point, some people were complaining about the soap, saying that it kind of ruined what they thought of the game, and then David like just optional. buffed him. That's, he just yeah. made them more powerful, which is <laughs> it's great to me. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's just it's, so evocative of like the dumb shit that was in all of those old games. They would yeah, have some hidden yeah, dumb like shit. Fighting John it's Romero's great. head. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. Um, and the Crystals of Madness I thought was a legitimately good item, even within the balance of what the game was trying to be, where mm -hmm. uh, basically what you do is you throw it at an enemy, and then it makes that enemy fight for you instead, so it starts attacking other enemies. Um, 
But I, but I always thought that was fun, where you pick one up and then kind of jump into a combat arena and immediately just try to dodge everything because you can't shoot while you're holding it. So you're just trying to dodge everything and find the strongest enemy in the room and throw it at them, which was a legitimately fun bit of, like, combat encounter. And having all that stuff as optional is really the best way to do it. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's really useful and it's balanced well, but making it optional is really the key there. And I... I think anyone who has complaints about optional things needs to, <laughs> needs to check themselves <laughs> a little bit. I, yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, so speaking on that, then, I feel like we can probably start talking about more towards the, like, raw gunplay. I did guns, want to get into controls going and the into hell. And the and the gunplay as well, yes. That is the next place I wanted to go because there's a lot to say about it, to be honest. So what what, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, so I definitely think I have played deeper games in terms of raw gunplay. Like, the newer Doom games coming to mind, Ultra Kill coming to mind, which is criminally underplayed. More people need to play that game. Um, But I think what it does within its simplicity where, you know, it doesn't have a lot of the deeper mechanics that something like Doom has, you know, with, like, alt-fire modes and all that sort of things. Every gun does what you think it does. But I think that they're all balanced so well and the enemies put you in such interesting positions that i think that simplicity works quite well um where like a good example is just the way that the two different kinds of shotguns play into each other you know where you don't always want to use the super shotgun you don't always want to use the regular shotguns um because some enemies like you're wasting bullets by just putting a ton of the single shot shotgun into them, you know, um, like having those big super shotgun blasts is actually beneficial in terms of ammo conservation. Um, but other times, like when you're fighting just the regular, like soldier guys, they, they go down so easy, you know, and having that, like the dual wield shotgun on them is just so much fun. Um, and I think another big thing for me is the fact that there's no reloads. I personally have complex, feelings in terms of reload mechanics i think they often are just there to slow down games um and i'm really really glad that this game doesn't fall into that trap because i think stopping to reload in the middle of this game's combat would just not be fun (laughs) you know i I feel like that would feel limiting um i think a lot of the weapons have a lot of precision which i quite enjoy like even things like the assault rifle and the regular shotgun are more precise than you'd expect i think for most shooters um not yeah, you can really the... snipe with those things yeah yeah seriously and i think the the last note is that every kind of what i was talking about before every weapon has a actual purpose like no weapons seem to go out of style even the pistols i still was using by the end of the game um especially if you're playing on intruder mode um where and a lot, a lot of times there's guns where at first I'm like, eh, that's kind of whatever. I don't see myself using that much because there is, what, 10 guns, I think? Or 10 weapons, maybe 9. Um, but it was usually later in the game, like the crossbow is a good example, the mortar is a good example, where when I got those, I used them a little bit. I was like, eh, like I'm not really feeling trying to line up enemies so I can pierce through them, or I'm not really feeling trying to calculate the arc of this mortar so it hits something correctly. But then eventually, once it kind of clicked, and I think the ammo scarcity plays into that, where when I only have ammo for the mortar or the crossbow, and I'm like, okay, fine, I'll use it. Um, 
And then I realized, like, oh, now I see what this is for. Like, I can totally just lob this into groups of enemies and I'll take them out super easy. Or even, like, lob grenades in front of enemies so that they walk onto it and explode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's super fun. Uh, realizing that the crossbow has an insanely high rate of fire. So even if you're not lining up shots, just hitting guys at a distance with it is a pretty good strat if they're not super quick. Um, I don't know. It's It's just, I love the way it all just melds together and every weapon does what it needs to do and other weapons don't really tread on that weapon's toes yeah yeah you i mean you said it all that's everything that you said is what i was going to say about this it's it's tight and and i think that that's a term that is is going to be used a lot in this episode about <laughs> every facet of the game because it really is it's tight it's a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. of of sandbox and mechanics and uh it wouldn't work if every little bit hadn't been thought out the ammo capacity, uh, the ammo pickups, uh, and you know how, where they are and how much, how many there are. Um, uh, and, and the, the weapons kind of carving out their own niche, uh, in terms of what they do and how they affect the, the different enemies. It's, it's all a well oiled machine that just feels so good to do. And I love, that was one of my favorite things, what you mentioned about, um, about the array of guns and how, they were all being used the entire time. I loved that because, mm-hmm. and I pretty much every shooter that I've played that has multiple, has a sandbox of weapons. There, there's a hierarchy and a meta and that gets established very quickly. And certain guns just don't get used mm-hmm. in 90% of shooters that I played with, with a sandbox, uh, well, well weapon sandbox. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, every gun, even the pistols, had a purpose and the melees too like you would think that the melees wouldn't like even the sickles like oh i wouldn't use the sickles because now i have a gun even pistols i would rather use pistols than the sickles but i found out by accident that the sickles reflect projectiles so everything has a purpose (laughs) and can be used and i did use all of it my favorite thing was by the end of uh, the level or you know halfway through the level finding all the secret places where all the weapon is and just having a full arsenal and being like all right now it's time to fuck shit up. Like, now I'm ready for anything. It feels so good. I loved it. Yeah, no, I I so agree. Um, well, you just think about the sickles, too. Yeah, uh, discovering that you could reflect projectiles is such a fun moment. And I think there is a lot of that discovery in this game in general. Like, for me, I think a lot of that was in the mortar, realizing how useful that gun actually was. Because I generally am not a big fan of, like, projectile weapons in games where I have to try to you know, like, uh, lead my shots and stuff like that. But discovering mm-hmm. how, like, all the crazy uses you could do with a mortar in terms of bouncing it off of walls and, like, crazy trick shots you can do with that. Like, it just, that became one of my most reliable weapons by the end of the game of just doing weird trick shots off walls into enemies and just, or even for single guys, like, for bigger dudes, if they had a big hitbox, I'd still be using it on them because it did, like, almost super shotgun levels of damage, but it had a big ammo pool and, um, you know, only used one round at a time. So if you could actually hit those shots, it was a really powerful weapon. Um, but I don't know. There's just such a skill ceiling on all this stuff in there. So even like after you've played the game several times, you still are finding new things you can do and actually being able to do new things that you couldn't do before, which is just so fun. Yeah, and what I started getting into once I got a little bit more adept with the, the with the controls and the mechanics of the game is uh, 
like movement based things with the weapons because you can uh rocket jump with mm-hmm. the riveter and the uh the grenade launcher and the crossbow actually fun and fact. the crossbow yes yeah. and the cro- which you can you can hover for a while so i mean you can do some crazy fancy stuff with groups of enemies and like mm-hmm. that's when you really start to get in control of the flow of large groups of and it just it's very satisfying but like especially on the levels that have a lot of verticality having those op those extra movement options that are simultaneously offensive mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. satisfying yeah, the fact that you can rock jump at the crossbow is another really fun thing to discover. Where you know I was using Absolutely it, and realizing ridiculous. like, oh shit, this has a lot of kickback. And at some point, you sit in the air, it's like, oh, <laughs> it has kickback in the air too, huh? Um, like I'm just gonna float here and just shoot everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so fun. Um, and you know, you wonder like with the crossbow, you wonder like, was that a bug originally? Like, is that intentional? Um, and I think regardless regardless of whether it is or isn't. I'm, it's nice to see that David, you know, had the intelligence to see that and just go, eh, fuck it. It's fun and keep it in, even if it makes zero sense. Um, yeah. Which, I, again, just speaks so well to what this game is and is trying to do. Yeah. And that brings me into the, the other core, I would argue the core mechanic of this game is the movement. Mm, yeah. Which I'll say it again is toit. Oh, the, the little, like, the way the camera tilts when you strafe. It's so fun. The like, just it's got so much juice just from moving around in a room. It feels like it was built on top of the movement. Like it's it's one of those games where, mm-hmm. like Nintendo does, uh, movement has to be fun in and of itself in an isolated environment, and it mm-hmm. very much is. And and the rest of the game was built around that. And it it's kind of jarring at first, at least for me, because like I said, I'm not used to it being that fast and that responsive. Mm-hmm. But really, once you get the hang of it, it's the most fluid. I think it's the most fluid and like just satisfying movement I have played in a game, maybe bar none. I mean, besides maybe like Super Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. but it's I mean, definitely it, it's, up there. It's that good. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I think maybe the one thing it's lacking for me is just options where you have a slide, but I think what makes something like Doom Eternal's movement a little bit more appealing to me is just the way that you do have those dash mechanics and you do have that double jump and there's more just things that you can do with it, I suppose, where I feel a little bit more, not not necessarily in control, but I feel like, I, there's just more that I can do with the movement. Um, okay. Ultra, Ultra Kill comes to that as well, which I don't know if you know what Ultra Kill is. Not a disappointingly low amount of people do, but it, I think, is totally on par with this game in terms of everything we're talking about, just in a mm. different way. Um, I, th- I think it's a little bit more modern than this game, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, no, what I, I definitely agree, like... <laughs> To use the word again, the movement in this game is just unreasonably tight. Where, like I was saying, the, the way that the camera moves when you strafe, like, I found myself when I was playing physically moving in my chair, play, like, you know, leaning mm. side to side, which I haven't done since playing, like, Mario Kart when I was 10, you know? Um, and, and, like, that's so fun when it can immerse you that much in a game, you know, with the movement, just where you feel, like, just so tense, you know, moving around in your chair, it's... It's so good, and I'm trying to think of why it feels so good, and I think a bit of it is 
the way that the camera moves with it. I think like the slide, you know, that sound effect with it, and the the way mm-hmm. again the way the camera reacts to it. I think that all the just movement gives makes you it such feel very feedback. tactile and really yeah like, yeah you get immersed in the movement of yourself. And and yeah, and those options do kind of come in with what we were talking about before with rocket jumping and all those things where you do have other options um, from a weapon standpoint. Um, but I but think and, I. And, and so sorry one more thing what i was saying before with like dash mechanics stuff like that i don't think that this game should have a dash mechanic i don't think that this game should have a double jump just because that's not what this game is like that the movement in this game like you said is so tied to the design of everything else and those mechanics just wouldn't fit in here They, they they wouldn't really have a place um so yeah i mean i think for what it is it is damn near perfect (laughs) that's what i was gonna say is i i agree i see what you're saying about the the added uh, suite of movement options and abilities. I th- it, it, it works for a lot of games like this, but I, yeah, I think for this one, having less cognitive load on what movement options you have and more focusing on like where you can use your movements and how you can use the limited suite of movements you have, I think, yeah, that's perfect for this game. And I think um, the movement ties kind of well in something I was wanting to talk about before, which is um, I, I like how much of a focus this game has that is more in line with classic shooters and less so with modern movement shooters um, mm. where it's a lot more careful. So like the, the newer doom games is a really good example where <clears throat> it's about just a full offense 24 seven, like dodging projectiles is important and especially on like nightmare, but largely as long as you're getting glory kills and as long as you're moving forward, it gives you back so much health that you don't really need to worry about it that much. Um, whereas in this game, like, it doesn't. Enemies sometimes will drop one bonus health. Um, and uh, not always. And so for the most part, you're just moving around trying to dodge every single thing that they're at you because each hit is kind of devastating. And health packs are common, but not common enough that you should just be wasting health, you know, diving headfirst and stuff. You get killed pretty quick from doing that. And I like that. It's 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 different from a lot of contemporaries with this. Like like I was saying, Doom is a really good example. Um, it's it's different. I enjoy yeah. it. It's a dance of of offense and defense with mm-hmm. within the sandbox. It's it I I agree. And it and it does I... careful without falling into the trap of a lot of not movement based modern shooters where um you run out of health you're like okay shit time to hide like i never felt like i had to hide (laughs) you know it was more just shit i need to find something like i just need to move and dodge and try to find a health pickup somewhere around here it was never i was never hiding behind cover i was never trying to be sneaky Mm. which is good because if i was i think that would kind of ruin what this game is going for i would be remiss if i did not mention the uh six degrees of freedom water movement oh yes is just Oh, that is buttery smooth and a breath of fresh, a breath of fresh air, in a, uh, a world of games with shitty water movement. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no. Uh, when like fighting that underwater boss, the chomp or whatever, that yeah. was like genuinely fun. Because I had the moment where I was going around, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like they're they're really falling into this trap again. Because I hate water levels. They're never good. Um, they're never good. Um, but then in this one, I slowly clicked like, oh, this isn't just a water level. It's basically just giving me full 3D movement <laughs> for a bit here where 
fighting that boss and then going up and fighting all the flying enemies that, you know, usually you're shooting it from the ground, but now I can just go right up to and shotgun them, you know, and having the like, oh shit, it felt like a bit of a power trip being in the water, not like I'm just being unnecessarily slowed down for the sake of variety, I guess. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. that type of movement just makes sense for, for being in, in the water, Mm -hmm. especially for a game that's as, as, uh, uh, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but as simplistic, if you'll catch my meaning, uh, mm. as a game like this, well, like it's minimalistic. Game. I think is the word I'd use. That that yeah, that's that's what I was going for. Uh, I do want to move on to talking more a little bit about the sandbox. Uh, but one last thing I wanted to touch on with the controls is something that I picked up on quite a, quite late into my playthrough of this game, and I'm I'm curious if you noticed it as well. I, I noticed it again by accident, as as with so many things I'm finding in this game. Um the somersault move. What? Yes. So I noticed this by accident when I was standing on the edge of a ledge. I clipped by accident and didn't fall all the way through into this pit. And I looked straight down and then I like did a, like the camera just did a vertical axis 360. And I was like, what the shit just happened? And I found out, and this is so, I want you to try this actually when you go back and play this game. I'm doing this Um, right now. (laughs) So if when you're, when you're, once you get the hang of it, because it's a little tricky to do in practice, but you can be running and then jump and look down at the ground. And once you're off the ground, your camera is free to move in any direction as long as you're in the air. So you can look backwards. You can like, so if you're being chased by a group of enemies, you can like jump and then like, 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 what is that game where, where you like slow-mo dive and like shoot? Ah, God damn it. Max Payne. Yeah. It's like Max Payne. So you can like jump and then flip backwards and shoot what's chasing you and then tuck and roll out of it. It's so cool. This is nuts. Yeah. I had no idea. This was a thing. Huh? And they they juice this pretty well because I'm I'm doing it right now. If you can't hear my keyboard clicks, um, but like if I if I'm looking up, I jump. It like corrects my mouse so I'm looking at a reasonable angle when I land, so I don't have to do the full movement with my mouse because I feel like that would get kind of exhausting physically, um, mm-hmm. or try to flick that. Cause I have a pretty small mouse pad, um, but yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and it's intuitive too. So like, it doesn't mm-hmm. just like you, you. You can look backwards or wherever really, and and be upside down and be kind of looking at an angle, and it doesn't like snap you back to looking straight so you can roll out of it. Like you do like a like a sideways roll. Like it, it rolls on the axis of wherever you're looking, so mm-hmm. it feels natural and it's it's really fun. Gosh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that you didn't find that out so I can tell you about it because <laughs> that was one of the coolest things that I found in this game. Yeah, and th- and that so just leads into the thing we've been hammering home so many times of just like that discovery is so much fun finding yeah shit like that that's so cool um, that you can totally ignore for an entire pr- playthrough and be fine. But when you do find it, like I haven't messed around with it much, but I can immediately think of all the amazing ways I could absolutely style on some enemies. Um, Gosh, yeah, that's so cool. All right, so um, I think the yes. next thing I want to talk about is the enemies because I think that there's yes. a lot to talk about there. Um, Absolutely. The first thing I want to say is, and this sort of ties into the level design, but I really, really like that every enemy has a distinct sound to them. I guess where 
before I hear, like, when I, there's a door, right? And there's an, a room there that I know has enemies in it. And I can hear maybe, like, the sound of, uh, like, panting from the, some enemy or, like, the, or like the gas mask breathing from the soldiers is really distinct. And I hear that. Mm. I hear, like, the moans from, like, the mama enemy and stuff like that. And so I can hear what's in there. I don't know how many there are. I don't know where they are, but I know that they're there. So I have the internal preparation of, like, okay, if there's this, I should probably switch to this weapon because it's better against this guy. And that internal plan, I'm like, okay, I open the door, I go in. Oh, shit, there's way more of this guy than I thought. And then so it has, you know, that suspense still, but it it gives you just enough information to sort of know what's going on. And I, I really liked that. Yeah, the, this uh, that's one of the tenets that this game kind of, that makes or breaks the, a game like this, is you need to have enemies that are distinct enough in in multiple ways the but uh you know the the one we're talking about right now is look and sound so that mm -hmm. you can make decisions based on what you're messing with <clears throat> and um it has to be it has to be enough where you can players can quickly make that decision and even in some instances kind of subconsciously um do those kind of like mental subroutines to like an order of operations to figure out what you're dealing with and how you're dealing with it um i i felt that for the most part it was perfect i would say um, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah yeah i mean th they're all distinct enough uh and 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 mechanically fill a distinct enough role where there's variety and fun in any grouping of enemies and you can always tell even in the really dark areas because like on on episode three it gets real real dark and if you're playing mm -hmm. on um a, a visual setting where it's more pixelated uh, it can be really hard to see but you can always still tell what enemy is what mm-hmm and yeah, like through through that sound, and I think they do a really good job of silhouettes and colors, and a, a lot of enemies glow a bright color, like the 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 Grand Wizards, I guess I'd call them. Um, like those guys glow bright purple, so you can immediately tell where they are. The turrets uh, have like a green glow to them, so you can see them from a distance, and. And I like that because, like, for Grand Wizards, you know, you, I I could see myself getting mixed up with regular wizards because they have largely the same model turrets kind of blend into the environment so i'm really glad they glow green because otherwise i'd be getting shot and be like hey where the fuck is this coming from and that'd just be annoying yeah um and and yeah the, the sound of it just that immediate visual feedback super good i the only thing that i would say isn't perfect about it is i think that the like the mama and the granny enemy i don't really know what else to call them i did get those two confused a fair bit where mm, yeah. they looked just a little bit too similar in their colors and silhouette that I would often see one and think it was the other. And those two are very, very different in terms of power. Like, the one of them will fuck you up in, like, two hits, and the other is just kind of a decent ranged enemy. Um, yeah, I, I so, should not say perfect. It wasn't perfect, but it was very... There were few, few instances of enemies... Like, like in situations like that yeah or yeah. ones that that felt maybe a little i felt like the goats maybe as an example were a little redundant i don't know the actual name of that enemy but uh mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about i feel like they did and i it may, i might not even really be able to fully put my finger on exactly and and uh, expand on why but they they just feel like they was the one that didn't really uh wasn't differentiated enough 
Yeah, that makes sense, because they are just kind of a ranged enemy, and there's a lot of ranged enemies. For me, I really liked the speed that they had. I think that's kind of what made them a little bit different of a beast to deal with from the rest. Um, yeah. My question for you, and I'll answer this question as well, but what was your favorite enemy in the game? Ooh, okay. So I, I really have to take a second. Why don't you tell me, and I'll think about it. Okay, so my my favorite enemy in this game is without a doubt the Wendigo. Um I could definitely see why someone may have mixed feelings on it. But for me, so the Wendigo is an enemy that is invisible at first. And you can only hear like they're panting and footsteps. And you can see um, like blood footprints where they're walking. Um, so you can hear them, and again, what I was saying before, where the visual, like, design is so distinct, so you hear that panting, you immediately know that there's one around you, you don't know how many, you don't know where it is, so you just kind of stop, and you look around, like, that's the one thing that sort of forces you to stop moving for a sec, because you really need to scour and try to find these footprints, because they're not easy to see, especially when there's blood fucking everywhere, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's dusk, um, and, and then I'm like, you see, you're like, oh, shit, okay. And you need to really line up that shot. So I'm generally not moving in these encounters. I'm waiting for it to come to me, and then I blast it. And those things take, what, three super shotgun blasts to take down? So They're 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 pretty bulky. Yeah, yeah they're tanky as hell. And so you get it, and they just charge at you the moment, like, you actually hit them. Um, and so you're seeing it. It's such a moment of, like, panic when that happens. It has a really good sort of, like, string sound cue with that. Um and I don't know, I every every time I was fighting them, I thought it was just terrifying at times and also really intense when they were sprinkled in with other enemies in that sandbox. Um, and yeah, like, that was one of those enemies where when they introduced it, like, that was a really scary moment. This game was a lot of genuinely really scary moments. Um, it did, yeah. But that yeah. was so memorable to me, fighting them for the first time and then seeing two of them in one place at the fir for the first time, and then seeing two of them mixed in with other enemies and the way they just kept doing it. It's like, oh my god, like, are they really doing this? At first, we'd be like, god, that's, like, too much to handle. And then I'd kill and be like, yeah, actually, that was wasn't that bad. And then they'd give me more. I'm like, Jesus, they're doing this again? Um, I remember one wave in that uh, level you are talking about where it's, like, the church, and you have to do all those waves of enemies, and then the big, like, meat tornado comes which if you haven't played the game sounds fucking insane um but meat tornado <laughs> yeah but but one of those waves was just five wendigos which yeah you hear it you blast one of them and then you realize oh wait two of them just got revealed and i'm still hearing that there's more around me and so you just keep kind of like blasting around randomly or i did at least until eventually i thought i had all of them um and I, th or I think I got, I thought I had all of them, and then I got attacked from behind by an invisible enemy. It's like, God, like, fuck, we're, like, it's, it's so intense. It's so fun. Yeah. I would have to, okay. I, I think I would have to agree with you. I, I really like the ones with a, you hear their labored breathing through walls, and they, ch they charge you with the big mouths. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I like those. Mm, but they're yeah. not my favorite. I, they're close. I would have to say, yeah, the Wendigo is my favorite. Now, now that you say that, uh, and that level that you're talking about at the end, with the at the end of near uh, near the end of a uh, three, um, it was was great. Where it was the the wave of the Wendigos, and I'm, you're just like you you press the button and you start just moving, and and 
Yeah, I, I had this moment with that where I was like, where's the enemies? Like, so no enemies in this one? And then I, it's like, oh, fuck. I know what they're doing. <laughs> like, just dread sets in. It was so perfect. I, mm-hmm. I was using my grenade launcher, and I was, like, running around, <laughs> and I heard them, and I was like, okay, there's at least a Wendigo. I, I figured it was probably a Wendigo round with multiples. And I shot my grenade launcher, and they ran into it. And I was like, oh, there's going to be, like, one or two for, like, I don't know why. I, I didn't think there were going to be that many. And then it exploded, and it revealed, like, five or six of them. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, it immediately changes the tone of that engagement. And you're like, shit. Yeah. And, and then I, it goes from, like, I got this under control to, like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's such a – and, like, you were saying with the Q and how they are revealed every time you're fighting them is just so satisfying. Because, mm-hmm. like, it, it just ramps up whatever you do. Even if, even when you know you can handle them, like, it still adds that flavor that ramps up the engagement. And I, I liked that they could be implemented in multiple different ways because you had the slower ones where you're kind of, like, it's the more horror – themed levels where you're moving a little slower and you're kind of zigzagging through this like maze and you have to use your flashlight and you're like fuck what's going to be around the corner or and even you better hear the when panting. you don't have your flashlight those are terrifying or when you don't have it yes yeah. even better i want to talk and about you hear the panting and you kind of see the um you kind of see the footprints and you're like fuck or when you're in a big group of enemies and you're fighting and there's all these other things you're already dealing with and then all of a sudden you see the footprints in front of you and you hear the panting and it came out of nowhere and you're like oh this changes things yeah it's it's great how like versatile all the enemies are but especially that one just because i think it's the most fun to interact with Mm -hmm. yeah his name's escaping me um but the the lead designer on doom eternal um he often refers to enemies in that game like as chess pieces on a chessboard, you know, where they all love their role and they all sort of work in tandem. And, you know, when he's designing a level, he just places different pieces on that board. And the Wendigo is kind of feels like the queen, where it's the... Or maybe the, the knight, where it when it shows up, it changes everything. But, yeah, like you said, you you don't know when it shows up. But the moment you hear that breathing, the moment you hear those footsteps, like, the entire tone of the engagement changes. And your entire strategy goes from, yeah, I got this under control, like, sort of basic shooting guys moving around to, like, oh, fuck, just panic, you know? And that's, it's so smart. Yeah. And I think that the, God, I don't know what to call, I'm just going to call them fuckers, because that's what they are. <laughs> the, the, fucking little shrivelly little Leroy Jenkins looking ass bastards um from the the what from the level that I think that you're going to talk about Crypt of the Flesh with where you have no flashlight there are a couple other ones mm-hmm. but that's the most standout one to me uh when those are introduced those guys oh man the I genuinely I genuinely screamed and smacked my keyboard and ad- tried to like pause the game and accidentally reset the level and just had to like sit there for a minute <laughs> Oh god! Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I I know that exactly because you're talking about the big mouth guys, right? Yes. Is that referring to as fuckers? Okay, so yeah, because yeah, I remember I heard that br- like this awful sound they make, like that awful tortured noise, Just and then labored breathing. I I knew there was gonna be something horrible behind that door but i didn't know what and it was something new something i hadn't seen before so i was just trying to prepare my like prepare myself in mind like i've seen wendigos i feel like i know what this game is throwing at me and then yeah i go to that door opens and then that that fucking thing just runs at you it's like it's ah it's such a good moment it's so memorable it's so good too because like 
you know it's coming and it still scares still scares the shit out of you the first time and then you go on and you've already experienced it once and you know it's coming for the rest of the time and it's still scary every single fucking time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they aren't necessarily like the hardest enemies in the game, but they still, every time I see them, it's like, especially with other enemies, um, at like after that, it was terrifying every single time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that well, that leads perfectly, I think, into what you were saying you wanted to talk about with that level. Yeah, I do want to talk about the horror in this game for sure because yeah. it what we were talking about before like the balance of tone and pacing, horror is absolutely one of those things where there are levels where you fall, your flashlight is broken and you're like, "Oh, well, shit." You know, cuz at first time you press F it says like, "Oh, your flashlight's broken." Like, "Ah, shit." It's kind of annoying at first, but the level that you're talking about was the first time, I think, where that was legitimately like panic-inducing because mm-hmm. In the other ones, basically what having your flashlight broken means is that you just can't go into dark spaces. And you're like, okay, that's fine. I can just stay in the light. I'll be fine. It's taking away a little bit of my freedom, but uh, it's manageable. But here, it says, fuck that. You don't have a flashlight. You're going into those dark spaces anyway. And It's all dark spaces. <laughs> yeah. And in addition to that, you can, you know, like, well, at first you don't know. You just hear some real creepy shit coming from the dark. And you're like, ah, do I really have to go in there? And then later, when you know what's in the dark, it's even scarier because, like, you know those fuckers are in there, and you can't see them. They're just gonna get you when you go in there. It's horrifying. It's so good, and like the the music from Andrew Holschult in there too just adds mm-hmm. so much to that as well in terms of like the the tone of that and the horror. It's it's really really good. Yeah, it was just. Well, and I, I was thinking while I was playing this, like, it's so hard to do that, like with other things in this game, mm-hmm. the pacing the horror, because especially in a in a game like this where you usually have a lot of control, um, but the the music especially was was just such a a driving force for that feeling, and it just like it accentuated everything else mechanically that was going on. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, it, ugh, so good, <laughs> so good. And I had to <laughs> when I when you before you get your flashlight back, every dark space was just like the pistols on that level were reserved for being able to see by gun by like muzzle flash. <laughs> that was the and it made it scarier too, which worked in in its own way to make it even creepier. But like that's the only way I could see was like pistol shots, muzzle flash, so I don't run into something that's gonna fucking kill me. So mm-hmm. oh man. And I think um, that that is one of the main things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so thank you for bringing that around. Was the the just the control, and and we've kind of touched on it already in other times. Um, but but that level I think is is kind of the epitome of, of this kind of thing, especially relative to all of the other levels. Which I think uh, when you look at them generally broadly, they're all pretty fast paced, mm-hmm. and uh, they're kind of. They're ratcheting up the what's going on, but this one really steps it, dials it back, and uh, makes you go slower. Um, it's not all like slow, slow, but it 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 shows a nuanced control of the pacing, and just the having a sandbox where you can do something like that, like. It's it's so freeing and there's really the possibilities are endless, and um, 
most games don't take advantage of that. So I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that this game does a great job of setting up these expectations via pacing and other things as well. Um, but, but primarily I think through the undercurrent of pacing through what you're experiencing. Um, and then subverting it, flipping it on, flipping it on its head or, or delivering at just the right time, what you expect, but, but, but at the time where it needs to happen to have the most impact, uh, with like surprise kill chambers and or like horror levels like this one and the the big gauntlets it -hmm. all happens at the right time in the right order and uh it's all possible via the control of this nigh perfectly uh categorized or or uh, differentiated sandbox uh that you have to work with and yeah this game is about i think is a master class in in doing something like that like it's been talked about obviously with halo to death about Mm. how like the sandbox sets up control for all of your encounters. But I think I I honestly think that, that this game is like a spiritual successor to that, that ideal, that, Mm -hmm. that philosophy for game design and, and really does the most with what it has, like the absolute most with what it has Mm -hmm. to set up a, a suite of different experiences and deliver them in a way that is the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like with this game, I I don't. It doesn't necessarily have like the best raw gunplay I've played in a shooter. It doesn't necessarily have like the best raw enemies or levels. But I think in terms of the whole cohesive, some of its parts with the what you're saying and pacing and the levels and how the gameplay ties into that, it is arguably one of the best that i've played in this category like yeah i'd agree with you i would absolutely like and the thing is i i've only had two weeks to really sit on this so i generally try to reserve big statements like that until like six months after i've played a game um but for where i'm at in this moment like i had more fun playing this game than i did doom i I, like i i will totally admit that and that feels a little bit like sacrilege because it's doom but but I think that this game just takes what Doom does, takes what other 90s shooters does, and goes, yeah, that's cool, but we've had 20 years of design since then, kicks it up to 12, does it even better, and it's it's just great. It's really, really good. You heard it here first. David, you done did good. You did real, real good. <laughs> you did real you good listen. on this one. Yeah. Oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Um, so... Because, uh, you know, not not everything in games, no game is perfect, I think it is important to talk about uh, some of the stuff we were maybe a little bit more mixed on, some of the stuff we thought was a little bit more negative. Um, All right, let's hear it. Lay it and on so, uh, number one, I hate this game. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> actually, everything I said was a lie. That's a, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> I think there's nothing that I hated, per se. Um I would say most of the stuff that I was annoyed with in this game was more just... There's some stuff that was a little bit janky. Like, the the save system in the game would be the number one, where it has basically Absolutely. just Doom's save system ripped straight from the 90s in this game, which I, I do not like. <laughs> like yeah, it was not great. I, I understand why they did it. They wanted that, uh, that, I guess, loyalty to the genre and what they are, but... I also just like having checkpoints. I like having normal modern saves and games. And I mean, 
I, I don't know. I just wish it had that. But again, that's something that only really affects me when I was like picking the game up after taking a break or when I die. And pressing yeah. F six to quick save really isn't that bad. Um, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that that's like necessarily like intrinsic to the genre, though. Like, yeah, if, if that was the mindset behind it, I, I disagree with that because mm-hmm. I mean, it's not something that that defines the genre. So I really hope that that wasn't it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think like for some of those levels that had like kind of more um, intense, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, like level puzzles, like the one where you have to go through um like the the sewers and there's those like pipes that move and crush you and shit like that Mm -hmm. like getting through that is kind of annoying but it's near the beginning but then you have to like go through there there's some other i don't remember exactly what happens there's like a harder thing later on that fucked me up on the harder difficulties and then having to go all the way back to the beginning even though i felt like i was far enough that like subconsciously i i expected a checkpoint even though there haven't been one throughout the rest of the game because it hasn't been an issue but this time it was and it just felt wrong yeah and and then i mean all of those puzzles all over again it was just is a hassle the the issue with it for me is it just made me save scum which i hate doing in games where i was constantly just quick saving every time i did something so when i die i could just reload that save and i'd be fine you know but i think having well-placed checkpoints is just better in games because it it's it's a more refined challenge, I suppose, where it puts you back right where you should be to have an interesting challenge in the game, you know, because right at the beginning of the level, like you said, ruins the pace. It's not fun. Um, yeah. And having it be five seconds before I died just kind of destroys the challenge. But that's kind of what I felt like I had to do in some cases because I didn't want to restart the whole level. You know, every time I pressed a button or picked a like, ammo up, it's like, ah, quick save. I don't want to lose that. Um, which yep. was... Yeah, it, it was a little disappointing. I think um, another one of my things is the fact that when you are jumping into a level, like if you're not just going through your uh, thing, you can choose what weapons you have going in. I think that sort of ruins, or th- that takes away, I think, from how good the weapon placement in these levels are, um, which actually reminds me of the fact that I never talked about intruder mode. I'll talk about that after this. Um, mm-hmm. And... I don't, I don't know, because every level does have really well-placed weapons and ammo. And so when you, when you can go in and just say, all right, I have every weapon at max ammo, max health, like, it's an option, I guess, if you're struggling with that level. But it does take away from just how good some of the design in, is in it. And so I think that's more in the side of, like, I was mixed on it, because I don't think it's bad. I think it's good if you are genuinely really struggling with the game, because I think everybody should be able to enjoy the game, if it, even if it's not, like, at its max game design potential um i think it's i'm glad it's there i guess but at the same time i wish it wasn't (laughs) which is maybe a little contradicting Mm. uh i did want to real quick list a couple of things that i was not too keen on with the game and then um once we pass through all of the negatives i would love to um if you're all right with it move on to um discussing favorite levels a little bit all right, let's do that. But first, before we do any of that, I really have to use the bathroom, so let's take a quick All break. Right. This is a great time uh, for a word from our sponsor. Today, this episode is sponsored by... Uh, just kidding. Don't... No, we're not. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right, thank you, uh, Undisclosed Audiobook Company, for not sponsoring our episode yet. 
but <laughs> indeed, <laughs> we will say your name at a later time once you actually give us money. Audible, if you're listening, please. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some of our favorite levels. Well, I did quickly want to go through my dislikes because okay. I did have yeah, yeah. I did have some ones worth mentioning. There weren't many. Um, one of the main ones, uh, you went over one, which was the a big one for me, which was the the save points. But I would also like to say that there was uh, a couple instances where uh, you were not required to, but heavily influenced and the game suggested that you use stealth which i do not think fits in this game it Mm, uh, kills the pace feels shoehorned in awkward doesn't fit don't like it um are you talking about the like the bits with the sword in episode three yeah where you first get it and you kind of crouch and it has you sneak up on some enemies that are facing away from you and it almost feels like they have like less they gave those specific ai less awareness so you could really easily take them out Mm -hmm. it's just not satisfying I, i never used it Mm-mm. Other than those areas where I that right there where it makes you, um, yeah, same. I I really didn't like it. Um, the the soul the that whole like sword only bit I personally found to not be very fun. Like yeah, I, I could see what they were trying to do in terms of changing up the pacing, but I like like you said I don't want to do stealth. It just kind of felt like slowing it down. It wasn't very fun to me. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was um, as far as the enemy sandbox go goes, which we have already described how fantastic it is. I the the rats, I believe, were Oh, the rats are dumb. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty poor. I I don't think that I the concept is dumb. I think maybe they were poorly implemented. It feels like I, I don't know if it's like just their pathfinding is weird and or they have like weird hit rig because it it feels like I can never hit them. <laughs> yeah, same. But they just feel so bad to fight. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I I like the idea of having like a swarm like a small swarm enemy similar to similar to how um, uh, Halo had the flood, mm-hmm. not in exactly the same capacity, but it's these small things you need to take care of that uh, has that swarm aspect to it. Uh, when by itself it can be annoying, but if it's implemented right, it's fine and can be kind of tense, especially on those higher difficulties. And when it's thrown in with other enemies, it just kind of ramps things up. It's it's another layer, um, but it has to be implemented right. And this was just not right. It felt bad every single time I encountered them. I rolled my eyes. So yeah, I, I definitely the... think a. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the flood is a good comparison. Weirdly enough, um, the the hive uh, thralls from Destiny comes to mind. Um, of yeah, that okay, I yeah. I really like facing those types of enemies where it's just a lot of like small, fast melee enemies that just sort of swarm you. I think that's generally pretty fun if they're implemented right and put well within the sandbox. But yeah, I mean the rats w- weren't even in the sandbox really. They're generally just like you fight one or two of them on their own, and it's kind of annoying. They were like little triggered events or something. Yeah, yeah, they were always just annoying. They weren't really fun per se. Um, but yeah, I, w- I wish they did have a properly implemented version of that for sure. All right. So, um, those are really the main things that I want to touch on for negatives there. Like I said, there weren't many, but, uh, they, they need to be said. This is not a perfect game. No, mm-hmm. no game is. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> going into favorite levels, I, I would actually like to hear, uh, your, if you wouldn't mind your favorite levels. Um, yeah. So I think we've kind of already talked about a lot of my favorites, the names are eluding me, but the the level you're wanting to talk about is one of them. The horror level we are talking about is another one of them. Um, but 
I think Escher Labs does such a good job of being the title of this podcast. Like, it is a perfect vertical slice into everything I think this game does well, where it has um, great, like, really, really fucking excellent visual storytelling throughout the whole thing. Um, especially given that you go from this, a lot of the grunge that this game had prior into, like, this clean, sterile, half-life-ass laboratory, um, that then transitions from a boring half-life-ass laboratory into being some insane eldritch shit that's happening, um, and that's just, that slow progression as you start to see, like, environments that are like upside down and on their side that you're having to navigate what i was saying before where you teleport into that rib cage like that was such a cool moment that was so mind-blowing and it has that perfect mix of like scarier sections um and really really intense battle arenas and really good tight level design that funnels you throughout the whole thing um just really well paced yeah, I don't know. It just it does everything I love about the game in this really concise little five ten minute chunk. I uh, yeah, I, I I love that level. That was a great one, and I th- I think he kind of hit the nail on the head where that is uh, that is a, a a good vertical slice look at the, what this game has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I think we've kind of already talked a lot about the horror level, so I don't have much more to say on that. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of others. There's. This game, more than others, I remember specific levels, which I really like. Um, because a lot of the time, the levels all just sort of blend together into what chapter it was in, I suppose. Um, but this one doesn't really do that, where I, I do remember individual moments, individual encounters, even. Um, like, I remember another one I really liked was, uh, I think we mentioned it earlier, but the one where you go into that whole, like, sort of human meat factory and there is like pipes coming at you and it's weird and dark and gross and kind of disturbing um and then funnels you through that into some really intense encounters and you're kind of not hard stealth per se but like you're it's more careful than most levels i think when you're in there because yeah you don't have your flashlight you're really low on ammo um and it just it 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 changes the pace from other ones in a way that i really enjoy hmm yeah, it uh, this game does a great job of creating memorable moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what other mm-hmm. like specific things, I guess, uh, do you look for in a level that like when you you see it and you're like, yes, this ticks the boxes. Like this, this is specific things that I enjoy out of design that this level shows off. I mean, was there anything that you kind of have a particular taste for that this level did for you, or or any other levels for that matter? Yeah, I mean, generally the ones that really stick out to me are the ones that are just different, like the ones that are really unique among what the game is doing. Um, so, like, that's a big part of why Escher Lab sticks out so far in my head is because, like I was saying, it's, it is, the stuff before that is so much grungier than what this game is, or, like, maybe grungy is the right word. Like, most of the game is sort of, you know, going through weird redneck bits of the woods and killing cultists, you know, um, and then going, getting dropped into this it just is so weird and out of place with everything else that it really sticks in my head. And I think that's also why the horror levels in this game too do too, is because they're sandwiched in between like massive power trips. So they feel so different amongst its peers, I suppose. Um, it, I, th- I think, yeah, one of the bigger things I look for in levels is just uniqueness, not just amongst like 
video games as a whole, but uniqueness amongst, like, what else the game is doing, levels that break the mold of the game's traditional sort of style. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the 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 two levels that I want to talk about are pretty unique in their own way uh, in terms of what they offer mm-hmm. uh, and kind of in terms of, like, the flavor that they provide, if you will. Um, that just kind of like like you said stand out above the rest of what the game has set up as its kind of main uh language of communicating with the player through mechanics like this is what this game is uh these ones kind of take it a step and beyond above and beyond and and yeah i think that this this game has some some big hitters in terms of that sort of thing uh which i'll say surprised me again mm-hmm. just for what i was expecting going into this game blew me away um, the first one that I really just, just put a big smile on my face was, uh, the level ghost town, which was, I believe the second to last or third to last level in the foothills. Um, mm-hmm. do you remember that one? Uh, I, I, the name doesn't really ring the bell. What, what, what's in it? It's like a big open city, uh, where like section of a city. It, you start out like coming through an alleyway and taking out that guard from behind and then it opens up into this like section of city Mm -hmm. um it just really threw me back to the games that i played when i was a kid like these these pc shooters were a little bit before my time i probably could have played them given my age but i wasn't really allowed to play video games when i was a kid growing up so I missed the boat on these, um, but a lot of the games that I did play back then in like the early 2000s, and uh, this just really captured the fun that I had in games like that, um, like an old Starsky and Hutch game that I used to play with my dad, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, Halo 2, Halo ODST, uh, Freestyle Metal X which is a deep cut for anybody who knows that game (laughs) on the PS2 and the GameCube, where you just have like these sections of city to just explore. Mm -hmm. And uh, for games of the time, this would be like a big city level. Like this is big. But um, so for all intents and purposes, I I was playing through it feeling like I'm in a big city level, just like when I was a kid and it it threw me right back. And Mm -hmm. it was the first level where I really started to get into the secret hunting because I was bad at it (laughs) in the previous levels and I was like not too into it. Mm -hmm. But I just felt the drive to search every nook and cranny in this level. So so by the time I got around to um, playing Ghost Town, uh, well, I should say before I had gotten to it, I had seen screenshots uh, around of some kind of like hidden dev message that was an out of out of map easter egg mm-hmm. um uh so i knew going into it that that you know that was associated with this level i didn't know exactly like where it was or how to get to it or anything but i had known that that there was some way out of the map going in mm-hmm. so you know being back on like i said such an evocative you know exploratory cityscape of a level in a game with emphasis on secrets and exploration and then knowing that there is a way to get out of bounds on this map somewhere, that naturally became the, the main focus of my first playthrough. 
so I ran around the map for like 45 minutes, you know, just searching every nook and cranny. Mm-hmm. Um, I experimented a lot with uh, movable objects. I tried some rocket jumps uh, and just, just yeah, just throwing myself at, at every inch of the map geometry. And I finally came across this like brick wall on the boundary of the map that seemed passable from uh, from this medium-sized roof that you're encouraged to get on at one point. Uh, there's a witch on it. And so after trying to to jump across this wall a few times, uh, I was finally able to like clip just on the edge of it and barely stand on it. And so in trying to run across this wall and see where it got me, I, I fell through a hole in the invisible boundary set above the brick wall and I was out of the map. Huh. Just like that. So so even though I knew it was possible to somehow break through, you know, the the, the confines of the established play space of the level, um, it was still just immensely satisfying to find the way out myself, you know, get to the answer myself and, and some other hidden things along the way. And it was just really special to be given my childhood gaming experience back to me as an adult through this game. Uh, and whether it was intentional or not to like mimic or evoke that kind of experience in those kinds of games, it, it really defined my time with this game <clears throat> and i think what you're saying in terms of like rewarding for exploration i think the game does a stellar job of that like throughout i i i definitely agree some levels um go <laughs> really ham with it um but generally i feel like when it's like oh that's an interesting little side thing or oh i feel like i could get up there i always could and there was always something waiting for me which is yeah it's so fucking <clears throat> satisfying um, and, and and what you're saying too about like just cause I agree I, I I logged into the game to just see it what map you're talking about and yeah that the game I am significantly younger than you <laughs> so I grew up at a time where there was later games I guess but an important part of my sort of growing up with video games was the fact that I didn't really have any sort of console for a long time so I had a Wii. And I had um, my dad's laptop, which was not powerful at all. So if I wanted to play games on it, it was either going to be, like, indie games or it was going to be old games. So, like, Half-Life 2 and Portal are some of my, like, really earliest memories with gaming. And those were so formative. And that game gave me such a similar feeling, yeah, of, like... I think at one point, like, when they introduced the soldiers, I went, oh, fuck, it's Half-Life. I think I said that out loud when I was playing it, because <laughs> it had such a similar feeling, and, and not in the way of it being, like, a rip-off or anything. It just felt right. so genuine and, like, cozy, I guess, in a way. And and that level did give me really similar feelings of, like, Half-Life 2 specifically, of those bigger sections and exploring every little nook and cranny, going into the houses, seeing paintings, fucking around yeah stacking boxes to get on top of things like that that's super half-life that's super valve um yeah i i really like that level as well it's interesting playing a game that can simultaneously make you feel so uh amped and 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 stressed out yet also so cozy inside 
I know, <laughs> right? What a dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> the power of nostalgia, I guess. Right. Uh, the other level mentioned before, City of Shadows, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more succinct up front with it. Um, I thought that my favorite part of this game, what it offered, uh, gameplay-wise, was when it was f- um, generally fast-paced. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of fast-paced strategizing, a lot of moving around, um, and uh, you have a variety of enemies to uh, to deal with, and um, you are, yeah, just like constantly th- making decisions and and moving around and changing things on the fly and taking out your enemies while you're while you're quick, fast-paced action. Uh, City of Shadows goes above and beyond with that. I think mm-hmm. um, not only do you have multiple like. I think it can be broken down into two large waves or, or two or three large waves, arguably uh, of enemies um, with which are all, you get a big swath of the enemy sandbox um, and you have a lot of move to room to move room to move around um, both uh, horizontally and vertically. And There's you've a got lot of like, vertical on that map. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't get super wide open space, but I feel like the bottom floor is big enough where you've got some, some, poles to dance around and some obstacles where you can do a lot of like kiting and stuff down there or you can like run around the different levels or you can like jump from level to level the the there there are a lot of jump pads on that level Mm -hmm. so you really have so much freedom of movement and so many enemies to deal with and it's just the perfect balance for what i think the game does best yeah and i and that level specifically like the game does this a lot where you feel like you're outmaneuvering enemies a lot of the time and that level totally like with what you're saying of how much freedom of movement you had um the way i was getting around enemies more often than not was yeah like there's a really big tanky melee get melee guy and he's coming at me so instead of just coming i'm head on or running away i could just jump off that take another guy down below jump pad up deal with him go like there was so much verticality and so much freedom to outmaneuver enemies in really interesting ways and even just kind of like screw with their pathing ai to like yeah. sort of exploit that and have fun with that. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say that the, I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about, but, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say just the, the use of the, the, uh, the level porosity where you have an open space and you have these pathways and you have these back alleys and you have buildings, but it's all connected mm-hmm. and it, you can subconsciously separate it into zones, but they're the ed, the edges of the zones are blurred together. It's, it's again, like I said before, a, ma- a masterclass mm-hmm. of level design and you've got this varying porosity. You've got the elevation, uh, and, You've got the the varied sandbox to interact with in this area. It's just a fun house. And they made it harder on themselves. Well, David made it harder on himself, putting it in the episode that it's in because it's dark and a lot of similar colors. The color palette is not super varied mm, yeah. uh, generally. And um, it, it's all stone textures. Um, so he, he automatically made it harder on himself putting it in that place. But... He uses so many different types of uh, strategies to to negate those issues. I love it, and it's it's all the type of stuff that I love in game design. Love looking at and breaking apart because it's art, mm-hmm. and it's it's the kind of stuff that makes games art. 
because you could easily get lost in, in this area. It's so dark, like I said, but you've got like amazing use of leading lines in in the the textures and the the layout of the map um, with the, the vertical windows and the, the the bridges cutting everything and all the pathways. Um, there's a lot of perpendicular lines. So you even from a distance and even on the, the blurrier uh, or more pixelated, I should say, uh, graphic settings, you can still tell where you're going. Um, stratification of textures just uh, further um, makes it easier to tell where you're going. Um, I'm it. It's just, it's art. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think that would be the end of my uh, <laughs> more summarized description of it. Um, but uh, if you would indulge me just for a moment, I I would like to go a little bit more in depth with the um, more artistic side of that. Uh, looking down, you can you get a perfect view of how this works, and I I've highlighted the different levels. Um, and it's all perfectly um, perpendicular from this view, but you can see the, the lower level, and then you've got the mid-level uh, on the sides, the mid-level um, pathways, and then crossing everything perpendicularly, the, excuse me, the uh, highest level bridges, and then that one half bridge with the jump pad. Um, and even on, I was playing the game on, uh, with the settings set to a little bit pixelated, and like I said, it was dark, and I could still tell perfectly clearly what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like you, I've, I've layered all of these and highlighted them for ease, ease of ease of use. You can tell. And then I have another one where I'm like just standing somewhere randomly on the map. And it's just like a, a, a cross section, a visual vertical slice, if you will, <laughs> of, uh, of exactly what I'm talking about. And then I have another slide where I highlight all the different levels. And even without them highlighted, just due to the, the types of textures and how they're they're different like they're all brownish grayish stone some of them are smooth some of them are not the ones that are not smooth when they overlap each other in your line of sight they don't the textures aren't parallel with each other and they're also not exactly the same so from your peripheral it's easier to tell you can tell even when you're looking directly at them that there is uh, a change in elevation and a change in pathing there um, whether you recognize it or not, consciously, um, while you're running around fighting enemies, you, you still have that sense of space. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to do, and it's very artistic, and I love it. Not only that, you've got the pillars, you've got the tall vertical red, um, red windows of the cathedral facade, and you've got these red tall spikes that um, help you not only orient yourself if you're moving around fast, like, it's, like I said, it's dark, but also... Um, create uh, leading lines that draw your eye upward so you can really um, use that verticality. It's it's extremely masterful. And <laughs> I had a really good time going in and like looking at all of this and like breaking it down, but mm -hmm. it's insane. And it's so hard to do, like with a lot of the things in this game to get right. Um, but it's fantastic. And I don't know if you picked up on any of that... Um, in general throughout the game a lot of the levels had obviously this sort of um art design behind it to to make it work and to move you through the level and so you can orient yourself and know where you're going but this one because there was so much going on and it was all dark and stuff like it really amped it up and it was very obvious uh how much work was put into it and how well it was executed and i i had to touch on that mm -hmm. yeah no i 
there is so much complexity to the design of like every single moment in this game i you could go you can go so deep on anything in here um it's unfortunate we don't have infinite time because i do kind of hate cutting yeah. things off um Absolutely. but but yeah any any moment in this game really like there's so many things going into it in terms of how the enemies are placed to guide your eyes and lead you to the right things and how it gives you the freedom to deal with encounters and all those things it's it's so smart and one of those games that like i can't imagine making this game myself <laughs> like it is so above my level of thinking when it comes to like if I were to design my own shooter like this, like I absolutely could not do what they pulled off here. And like you were saying, like they make it harder for themselves on purpose, seemingly sometimes in terms of from like a raw design standpoint, it's, it's so smart. It's so good. I could talk about it forever. I love this game. Um, all right. I mean that, that's pretty much everything for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. Um, all right, cool. So nutshell opinion. Oh yeah, the nutshell. Um, yeah, I would say, kind of what I said before. Of, I think this game isn't necessarily the best in what it does for individual pieces of it, but I think as a as a cohesive full, as a, Jesus, I can't say it, as a cohesive whole. Um, I think it just everything works in tandem with each other near perfectly and it's just such an enjoyable experience from start to finish with its pacing and level design and combat and everything just working perfectly there you go all right uh yeah i mean that's that's largely what i got from this game as well so if i had to maybe boil down this game to a single idea that is different from that i would say that this game is a master class in psychologically and emotionally uh controlling the player <laughs> in terms of the the pacing uh like you said and um getting you know strategizing wh what to think and when to think it and what to feel and when to feel it uh and also tapping into that nostalgia expertly mm -hmm. uh this game just made me feel things uh and multiple things and a lot of games don't do that and that's really what i look for in a game is making me giving me an experience and making me feel something mm-hmm all right, and uh, that has pretty much been Dusk. Um, so with that, I think next week we're going to be playing the game One Shot, which is a uh, RPG maker game where you only have one shot. <laughs> um, so yeah, look forward to that. Feel free to play along, do all that good stuff. Uh, and for this episode, like yeah, if you if you've played Dusk, you want to give us your opinions, talk about it in the comments on YouTube um if you leave a review subscribe follow all that all that good stuff it, it would it would mean a lot it would definitely be helpful but yeah with that um max do you have any final words um i don't think so david david you knocked it out of the park good you stuff did, you did good you did a good one on this uh yeah so see you next time <laughs> probably in a few weeks i'd imagine we'll see on we'll see on a schedule where we haven't really figured that bit out yet <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how long it takes to, me to make each episode and then maybe say something a little more substantial. We'll see you when we see you. See you when we see you. Bye-bye. <laughs>